when you last joined us, dear listeners, poor Richard Chesterton had been pulverized against the temple wall by the tail of this monstrous snake, which was summarily executed by A.P. Thackeray and Logan the Hammer in their anger and fury at the death of their friend, whose body was tossed like a rag doll clear 40 feet across this temple and smashed against the wall. There is surely no way he could have survived such a fiendish and hideous blow. His body lies there. But this is no ordinary person, this Richard Chesterton. He is a pulp hero. So, Richard, are you still there, Richard? AP and Logan, you've gone over to look at the poor dead body of your dear friend, Richard Chesterton. Covered in snake blood, I, I rushed to, to over to where Mr. Chesterton landed. But what are we going to do, Mr. Selby? He's clearly beyond our aid. Logan gets down on his knees and begins CPR. And Richard, maybe you have had a miraculous escape. What, what happened? Are you alive? <laughs> I'm alive. I, the, uh, the snake threw me into the wall, but it looked like I hit really hard against the wall. But there was, uh, it's a temple in the woods, and there was uh, vegetation and moss growing. And I managed to have a softer landing than they thought. And I saw... Mr. Selby, look! Can it be? Mr. Chesterton is trying to speak! His jaw! Place his jaw back on! Let me see! And in fact, what you see, what you see is exactly that. There must have been some kind of crack in the wall here and water and soil had seeped in and there's this soft bed of foliage and moss had grown exactly in the spot where Richard hit the wall and it cushioned the blow and instead of a mangled broken body you see Richard just kind of grinning up at you he has the luck of the devil and has escaped death by inches Logan's spitting <laughs> no tongue please that was lucky I knew I couldn't leave this mortal coil without the saying goodbye to Molly, at least. You have the devil's own luck, Mr. Chesterton. Well, my head sure is killing me. Andy, mechanically, how many hit points would I have? I, I put myself at zero, but... Yeah, so mechanically, here's what happens. You go down to zero luck, you are vulnerable now, and you roll a d6, and that's how many hit points you get back immediately. D6, okay. Five, okay. Oh, that's pretty good. So you're back on five. You're, you got a bit of... Uh, a bit, of, a bit of oomph left in you and given of course the intensity of the last session I will of course allow you all a luck refresh so um, Richard you don't even have to roll because you've got zero so you get 2d10 plus 10 uh, AP gets 2d10 plus 10 Logan if you roll a luck roll so 19 yeah you get 19 AP gets 20 oh, oh dear quite. well you've got so many so you get a d10 plus 5 Logan Wow, so you get 14 luck back. You get almost as much as the others. But uh, yeah, so you've gone back to 88 luck. You've gone up to 88 luck, which is pretty huge. So with that lucky escape, you know that that's one of your nine lives gone, Richard. Oh man, I better be more careful. Let's not try not to encounter any more 100 foot snakes, okay? Be more careful, my dear Mr. Chesterton. I'm surprised you can stand. One thing, actually, it's up to you if you want to do this, but generally what happens when you come back from the brink of death you typically would have some kind of permanent like physical reminder of that you were thrown bodily against against the wall and of course it did cushion it if you want to you can decide on what lasting uh, reminder you have of this permanent patch of moss growing in the back of your head <laughs> no i think i'll give him another scar if he hit the wall that hard it's possible maybe he um his once beautiful face is now a patchwork of scars yeah, he could, he could lose a couple teeth. They're in the back, so, you know, the ladies won't notice. But I'm going to say he did. He permanent. He lost some teeth. Yep. Yeah, because, like, your, the jaw kind of went, got slammed in somehow and crunched. Yep. Yeah, so I'll a couple of... i on my list here. Your four back molars are all, like, powder. <laughs> God. Ow. Can only eat soft foods. Yeah. Can only eat jello from now on. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have a lot of money, so that's about all I can afford anyway. I think that's all you did eat, actually, up to now. Jello, just different flavored Jello. <laughs> I survive on a diet of banana pudding and white bread. Now that the dust has settled, quite literally, you realise that the majority of that kind of miniaturized miniature pyramid sculpture has all crumbled away. It was mainly just plaster covering up this coiled monstrosity, but there's a central kind of pillar which is still supporting the throne, which seems solid, made out of stone. 
So you could you could quite relatively easily scale up that if you still want to get a look at this snake person mummy. Well, I will uh, busy myself uh, wiping blood uh, from me as I'm completely doused in it. But if uh, Mr. Selby and Mr. Chesterton care to scale the pillar, are there any markings or writings or hieroglyphics? No, no, it's just a plain stone column, probably about four or five feet wide. It's it's about probably about 15 feet high, so you'd probably need to give someone a boost up to, they could probably, with a boost, they could probably climb to the top. I seem to recall a uh, mass of uh, writhing snakes coming down the hallway towards us. Is that still a factor? Yeah, you can still hear some slithering, and it's getting closer for sure. Maybe one or two of them have braved their way down the... Uh, the incline and they're kind of just poking their heads into the into the chamber, their tongues flicking in and out as they gather. End of the top. They seem they seem wary of you, obviously, after you've kind of set fire to <laughs> a good portion of them. I will block the uh, the entrance and uh, and fire my fire gun down the hall just to keep them back. Yeah, you play the fire over the entrance and, and they recoil hiss as they as they retreat back. I'd like to try to climb the... I have a climb skill, so I'd like to try to climb the pillar. Oh, I, I, you, you don't need to make a climb roll, because it's not that high. Someone, As long as one of the others gives you a boost up, you'll be fine. You can get it. Yeah, Logan would give him a boost. Yeah, boost me up there, Mr. Selby. Well, I figured Logan would go as well. Okay. All right, so once Rich is up, he leans down, and you jump and pull up, and yes, and then yes. you're both standing standing there. Um, AP, are you, you're at the base, yeah? I, I was... Uh keeping the snakes from amassing too much in the entrance. Okay. Right, so... It looks pretty delicate, Mr. Selby. That's a face only a mother can love. I don't know how we're going to get it down without... I mean, it just looks like it could fall apart to the touch. Maybe we can wrap it up with some more of the ropes. Yeah, we'll have to be really careful. Or we could skin the snake and wrap it up in the snake skins. Now, it's, it's sitting on a, a throne, right? Is it like a stone throne or are there any uh, cushions or fabrics? It's pretty extraordinary. The, s the stone throne is carved from a single huge block of jade. None of you have ever seen anything like that before. Jade oh. jade is not like a rare stone exactly, but to find it a piece this big, almost unheard of. And balanced quite precariously on the top of this pillar. Are the hands out where they can be seen? They're just folded in her lap. Logan will reach down and just touch one hand. As soon as you touch it, the entire body just crumbles away. And you realize that all you were looking at was like dried out skin. And the headdress falls with a clunk and the robes float down. And you realize that the jade throne where she was sitting, it's got this hole in the seat that goes down into darkness. Like a royal toilet? Yeah, kind of. Commode. Yeah, exactly. Garderobe. I immediately envisioned the, the royal toilets, at, you know, at the, like Leeds Castle or something. Yeah, exactly. Unlike that, this hole is about four feet wide. The robes are kind of covering it, and it'd certainly be big enough to climb down. Doc, we found a hole up here. If there was anything in this mummy, I think it might be uh, down there now. I see. Well... Wait, what did you do to the mummy? What happened? I told Mr. Selby it was fragile. Logan points at Richard. He did it. No, not this time. You fools. Well, grab the headdress, if nothing else. Logan will pull out his flashlight and shine it down the hole. The headdress, you realize, is just a cheap replica. I mean, it's nicely carved, but it's clearly... It's light. It's made from wood. Just covered in this gold paint, so... Uh, cheap replica it may be, but it's still an ancient cheap replica. True, true. Okay, so you shine the light down the hole. There's a Made in Taiwan stamp on the inside of the headdress, right? <laughs> it says Made in Taiwan in ancient Bolivian. Right, exactly. It goes down about 50 feet before it reaches another chamber below. You can see the floor of the chamber below. But we'll need to crawl down this. Uh, if we anchor a rope to the back of the, uh, the throne. So I guess you climb up, AP, and one of you ties off a rope, and then you lower yourselves down. Logan to go first. Okay, Logan going first. And you lower yourselves down one after the other, and maybe it takes about five minutes in total just to be really careful. And then it comes out into another chamber below. There it is, the sanctum, domed chamber. Yeah, these were small round sanctum, 10 feet across. Peeling paint on the walls show images of a female serpent person wearing the same crown 
uh, that the replica that you had in your hands was. She's also holding a scepter with a snake's coiled head on it, and she is surrounded by prostrate worshippers. The rest of the walls are covered with images and writings in this strange language, this Nakal, depicting some of the history, it seems, of these people. Of course, if you wish, you could spend time looking at it, but more compellingly, I suppose, on a plinth, just off the centre from where you've dropped down, lies a body. Her arms are crossed over her chest in a pose reminiscent of a knight's tomb. It is a naked serpent woman, now covered in fresh, jewel-like iridescent scales that glitter like sunlight on the water. And she just lies there, and you can see that she is gently breathing in and out. At this point, I think, Mr. Thackeray, there is no possible way that you can write this off as a mollusk, (laughs) as a jungle creature. This is a fully-fledged, living serpent person. (laughs) Truth be told, when you see a serpent person, I don't think any of you have actually seen one fully, have you? You saw the mummy, of course, but you've not seen a living one, have you? Not that I can remember. Just the eye being pulled back so we can see a little bit. Yeah, you just saw the eye. So the truth is, you are all going to have to make a sanity roll anyway. AP, this time you are, there's no way to deny what you're seeing, so you are going to take the full hit at this This point. is quite an advanced case of melanoma. Oh, of course, Thackeray is like... <laughs> I'm trying to rationalize it, okay? I'm trying. So, AP, you don't actually lose any sanity. You are going to lose those three... Was it only three points that you lost? Are you sure? It was four. I have four recorded, yeah. So All right, one. so you're fine. I mean, you lose four sanity, but that's fine. You can you can handle that. However, Richard and Logan, the bad news is you need to roll D6, both of you. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. You know, I have no luck, Andy. Not in this game, you know? Yeah. You just re- survived death, and you're about to have a bout of madness, probably. Logan, let's see. Doc's gonna get real interesting for you here in a second. Are you both intelligent? Uh, not really. Oh, here's your saving grace. If you fail your intelligence roll, you're not gonna have a bout of madness. Richard, you can hit the real-time bout of madness button. Crazy plan! Fantastic! This is my favourite. This is absolutely my favourite. The hero pursues an irrational or ill-conceived plan. The plan must either benefit the enemy situation or increase the danger for the hero or his or her allies. Well, how is this different from any other plan Mr. Selby can put with? And Logan, can you hit the pulp about... Ten rounds of that, too. Ten rounds of crazy plan coming. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) Gloat. Gloating for 10 rounds. Yes, because you've achieved everything you've wanted to achieve, Logan. Logan, this is your moment. You're a humble and modest man normally, but now, now is the time to celebrate your victory over the snake people. Your final, lasting victory, Logan. Look at her. We found her. She's beautiful. I think I'm in love. She's mine. All mine. You can't stop me. Now, Richard, I'm not going to quite make you do this crazy plan yet. Okay. Because as you're starting to think, what can you do? What can you do? This manic look comes into both of your eyes as if you somehow achieved everything you've been striving for these last few days. And you're so preoccupied that you don't hear the thump come from behind you. Well, Professor, you do, but the other two don't. As you look round, you see a sight that you were not expecting to see. You see something that looks like Captain La Fuente. Let's say half of him looks like Captain La Fuente. The half of him that's still got human skin wrapped over it. The other half is a snake person and is hideously injured. Somehow La Fuente escapes the blast, but not without taking hideous wounds. And he stands there. Half of his face seems to be blown away. You can see the teeth the serpentine fangs inside his mouth just through the ruins of his of the right side of his face and next to him is one of these giant serpent hounds and La Fuente says yes yes <laughs> he seems quite mad as well having gone through what he's gone through he says you thought you could do it didn't you no you're not gonna get away with this at that same moment, 
Logan saying, that idiot LeFuente thought he could beat us. <laughs> what a joke. Excellent. Yeah, you're very preoccupied. Now, AP, you don't have a gun in your hand at this point. You can see LeFuente is sort of gearing up to try and do something. Like his hands are, are moving upwards rapidly as he recovers from dropping down. And this lizard dog is getting ready to strike, to leap at you. Tell me what your, your intention is. Well then, close at hand, or I say my closest weapon at hand, would be the coiled snake gun, which is coiled around my arm. Uh, so uh, quickly bringing that to bear, I would uh, fire that directly at Fuente. Okay, let's see. They came down the rope, right? Yes. How did the dog climb down the rope? Uh, it, that was the loud thump. Le Fuente raises his hands at you, and he, he mutters some words in that language of his, in that Nakal. Can I uh, try to understand it? Mm. It's not so much understand it as you feel it. You almost feel the pressure of these words. As he says in Nakal, something along the lines of, Do my bidding! And the words are just kind of smash into your head uh, with a wave of force. And you're going to have to make a power roll. Okay, now I get a bonus to that, I believe, because of my talent. Oh, you do? That's very useful. Now is the time for that bonus. Logan's panning Mr. Chesterton on the shoulder. Am I right? Am I right, Richard? That LaFuente, what a joke. Now is not the time, Mr. Selby. And that is a very important role you just made there because you got an extreme success. Uh, he would also need to make an extreme success. I'll, I'll tell you what he needs just so... Well, he needs to get a, a fifth of 75, whatever that is. What's that, 50? Yeah, he needs to get a 15 or below. If he does, he wins. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh my god! I just rolled a 14. Okay, Jesus, this uh, that was quite something. Wow. Yeah, because uh, he's got more power than you. Yeah, roll 20, trying to kill us. And, and he says to you, Thackeray. Turn that on your friends. Pointing to the flame pistol. And I assume I am powerless to, uh... You are powerless to, to not do it. Oh yeah, well I'm gonna get your queen and I'm gonna go grab the snake woman. That's my cra cra crazy plan. <laughs> Alright, your crazy plan is to grab the queen. And use her like a shield. Mr. Chesterton, it's a good thing you have that shield. <laughs> okay, well, look, this is, this is pretty intense. Well, the good thing is you miss, because you need a hard success. So, Richard, you've grabbed this the form of this sleeping queen. She's incredibly soft and supple and, and warm to the touch. The scales, the glittering diamond-like scales on her aren't hard and they aren't cold. They're, they're warm and, and it just feels it's just a really interesting sensation. As you grab her, LaFuente goes, no, no, put her down. And as, as he then sees the outcome of his actions on AP, AP aiming the, the flame pistol at Richard and at Queen, he screams out at you, miss. He actually commands you to miss. And involuntarily, your arm jerks to the right and up, and the flames shoot out and, and hit the ceiling. Logan, you're still gloating, but what, what are you seeing now? You've seen LaFuente come back, he somehow got control over AP's actions, and AP is wildly firing the flame gun around the chamber. What are you gonna do? Logan's still gloating. <laughs> La Fuente, what a joke! As I'm as I'm turning, following Mr. Chesterton's kind of direction of movement, and I see La Fuente out of the corner of my eye, and I I stop, and my eyes go wide, yeah. and I reach and I reach for my sword. Uh, Logan, I'll tell you what. You can pull the sword out, but but I'm not necessarily going to allow you to attack because you're so focused on celebrating your victory regardless of whether of what the reality is now but richard your crazy plan what are you actually going to try and achieve now remember this this has to be detrimental to you so i've got the queen i would say i'm going to try to wake her up you know like in the story with true love's kiss so you lay her gently on the ground and you bend down to give her a kiss the chapter to think with your brain for once and LaFuente goes, Do not dissully the queen. You're a disgusting ape. Do not put your dirty, filthy ape lips on the lips of the queen. <laughs> and at this point, the beast jumps forward to attack. I think to attack AP, because AP is, is the one with the, the weapon that's been firing. The beast isn't particularly intelligent. 
It's going to try and jump on you and pin you down to the ground. And you manage to get out of the way easily. The thing just flies over your head with a, with a hiss and you smell the stench of its, of its reptilian body. Captain Lafuente. He's taking stock of what's going on. You can see he's, he's horribly wounded. Uh, you can feel his control over your mind has, is dissipating. You're going to be able to act this round unless he does something to you. He's going to try again. He's going to keep trying to dominate you. It's worked once. He's going to try again. So he rolls. Ooh, he rolls a 63. That's not great. You get a, you get a bonus dice. You get to make a power roll. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so again, he's dominating you. And he says, Not at the Not one, one sullying the queen, the, the queen, other, the other one. one. Fire on that one now. Again, it's a miss. And again, the, the gouts of flame lick the ceiling and go go wild. Richard. Yeah. Your lips meet the warm, scaly lips of the queen. And you can make a power roll in this. Okay. And as you do this, suddenly the the memory of some vague memory comes back to you. Somehow you know that her name is Tyrannish. Somehow you know, you feel like you've met her somewhere before. You're not sure where though. As, as this memory sort of starts seeping into your brain, you realize you've, you've gained control over yourself again. Somehow the kiss, the, the serpent's kiss. Who woke me up? brought you out of your state of, of lunacy. And you can see that, that La Fuente and the, the dog are, are getting ready to strike again. What do you want to do? La Fuente, oh boy. I will draw my rifle, mm -hmm. if I can, in yeah. one, you know, and uh, take a shot when I can. If I'm awake now, after I kind of spit. <laughs> what, was I, what was I doing? Yeah, it's, it's got this kind of acrid taste. This sort of reptilian. Mm. Oh God! Yeah, That's maybe not it's got Molly. some. Yeah, at one point the tongue did flicker out. You sling the rifle off your back where it's been resting. Who are you going to shoot at? I will shoot at. Oh, I owe La Fuente. I'm going to shoot at La Fuente. Okay, so you're at regular range. You take aim, and you fire. He's going to try and dive for cover as he sees you raising the rifle at him. It's not enough. Just so you're aware, because I, I know that some of my other players weren't aware of this when in my other game. Major villains also have luck, you see. And they, they also can do this spending 30 luck to avoid death. And this is how Lafuente survived, that he, he burnt up all his luck. So he has no luck left at this point, which is, which is good. Generally, they would use it in this thing called Watch Out Master where the minion dives in the way. <laughs> so it's very pulpy. And what I, what I would sort of say, you, you probably didn't see this or you might have just glimpsed it, is one of the one of the soldiers sort of dived forward onto the dynamite crate and his body blocked most of the damage from um, uh, Lafuente. So your bullet strikes home. So the bullet strikes home. You see it hit Lafuente in the right shoulder and it blasts away some more of this human skin. But he's still alive. He's still alive. Now, Logan, how do you rationalize what you're seeing? How did? How is this the victory you've been seeking? Ooh, look, it's La Fuente. <laughs> he brought a dog. <laughs> how does he expect to beat us? He can't beat us. The dog, seeing you laughing at him, is going to attack you. <laughs> I might shoot Mr. Selby just of my own volition. So the, the lizard dog spins around and leaps at you. So that would have been a hit. So do you want to dodge or do you want to try and strike back? I think I'll try dodging. Uh, do you want to spend five luck? Oh yeah, please. All right, so you, again, this thing goes sliding past you. It's nails scratching on the floor as it tries to bring itself to the floor. And now we are back to the top of the round. So Richard, you actually get to fire again at this point because you, your rifle is ready. All right. Yep, we'll fire again. You want to spend some luck? Three luck, right? Yeah, you would need to spend three luck to make that a hit. I'm already below 30, so I think I will to make it a hit. So you spend the luck. Your bullet strikes La Fuente, but it seems to just kind of graze off him and come off his thick snake hide. It just uh, leaves a, a thin crease on his, on his torso. And he cackles maniacally, saying, No, you see, your bullets don't hurt me. I will have my queen. She's my queen now. 
And so what he does is, realizing that AP is is probably not the most useful <laughs> of tools for him, he turns to you, given that you fired twice at him, Richard, and you're going to have to make a power roll now. Okay. Oh, that's a success. It's a regular success. Let's see. Well, you'd have to spend seven luck to turn that into a hard success in order to resist this this command. I mean, I, I don't see as I have any choice. Yeah. That... Oh boy, it's hard. I'll do it. Okay. And the words come into your brain, and it's turn your rifle on the professor, but you resist. Now, AP. You are free now of the dominating mind force of La Fuente. Stay out of my mind, creature. Now that I've, I'm free to act, I lift my cane and I strike Fuente over the head. He turns to you and he goes, No! No! As the sword cane comes slicing down and buries itself halfway into his skull. And he sinks to the ground and he says, My queen! I failed you. And then he falls down dead on the ground. I spin around quickly to face Mr. Chesterton who's pointing the gun at me. No, 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 no. I was, uh, I felt him try to, you know, do his mind thingy. And, uh, no, no, no. I, and I'll put the rifle like down. I'm not going to shoot you. <laughs> I know all too well, Mr. Chesterton, the power of that one's mind. But it appears we still have this dog to contend with. And in fact, as you say that, you realize that the serpent dog its master now dead. It's kind of just backed into the corner and it's eyeing you all. And then it just kind of goes down on its, on its forelegs, kind of lowers its head, and it's just kind of growling. But it seems to have stopped its assault on you. Mr. Chesterton, are you quite done having your way with that ancient mummy? Oh, I don't think it's a mummy. I mean, the way it feels and everything, it's not cold. Or it's all warm and soft. It sounds terrible. We all do think lesser of you, sir. Yeah, so Tyranish is there, lying there, gently breathing. She hasn't stirred. She hasn't kind of moved at all. She's clearly either in a very deep sleep or a trance or possibly a coma. This is quite a remarkable find. Finding a still-breathing mummy in this condition is beyond my wildest imagination. We must find a way to get her to the surface and be airlifted out of here. Doc, I'm not a doctor like you. You know, I didn't go to med school or any of that. But uh, how can a mummy be breathing? Wouldn't it just be like a person? I certainly have no explanation for this phenomenon. I'm not that kind of doctor. However, I hope the uh, allies at Caduceus can uh, aid us. Logan walks over to uh, La Fuente's body laughing. <laughs> I can't believe you kept trying. Ah, just die already. I go about making uh, careful... Uh, uh, drawings and recreations of the uh, the images and words on the walls. Perhaps uh, Mr. Selby and Mr. Chesterton can uh, loot the body and uh, figure out a way to um, uh, get the uh, the mummy up out through this hole without damaging her this time. Yeah, um, does LaFuente have anything on him? Yeah, you look through his um, equipment and his, uh, there was actually something that might be worth keeping or, or maybe it's you already know that the secrets of it, but you find this um, strange scrawled map, which judging by how much you know the area, you, you understand this to be some kind of sector map, even though the words are in, you, you recognize the, the, the shape of that river and where the ford is, and obviously that circle in the middle of the temple. It seems to be some kind of strange map of the area that you've been exploring, divided up into sectors. Clearly this was how they were trying to find it. They were obviously not doing a very good job. But the other thing you notice while you're looking around is that where Tyrannish's head was resting is actually a stone chest with a lid, like in the, in the, in the headpiece of the plinth. Uh, look over here, Mr. Selby. We, got a, we have a chest here. <laughs> look at you rifling through his dead body. That's so funny. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, all right, I, I'll inspect the chest then since Mr. Selby is... Uh... Search for traps. Yeah, I said inspect. Yeah, I will look look it over. Okay, I mean, it just looks like it's got a simple lid that you would lift up. Do you, do you, you can make a spot hidden if you want. You can't see any, like, catchers or barbs or little holes in it that would indicate that it would be trapped. All right, I will flip open the lid. Okay, so inside, it's a very tight fit because it comes up with a kind of pop, almost like a 
Tupperware lid coming off. And inside, sitting on top of some robes, ceremonial robes clearly, are some scrolls of paper rolled up. There's a beautiful scepter with a serpent's head on it. And a coiled up whip, which looks pretty long and is covered in these vicious sharp barbs like rose thorns. And there's a carved wooden box, which looks like it was designed to hold a crown of some kind, but actually is empty. And uh, yeah, that seems like an interesting find. Now, of course, Caduceus wanted you to bring back not just Tyranish, but any of the objects you you found, any of the artifacts. So you've hit pay dirt. Oh my goodness. We will be famous, Mr. Chesterton. We will be famous. Indeed, Mr. Selby, there is something to gloat about. I know, right? Look at him lying there on the ground. What a fool. Do you want to pick any of these objects up? I mean, they're, they're all just in this chest. Uh, yeah, I want to look at that. He would be drawn to the whip, being a ranger and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I will inspect the scrolls. Yeah, let the doc have the stuff you have to read. So you hand the scrolls to um, AP. You pick up the whip. It looks just like an exceedingly vicious whip that if you learn how to use it, probably cause some serious damage yeah so it's it's made of some kind of tanned reptilian hide and covered with sharp white spines that resemble the fangs of a snake yeah i mean this judging by all the weird objects that you found this thing potentially has some very nasty effects you imagine if it strikes someone that fang like snake fang like thing that was thrown at uh thrown at uh logan before that that was made of a similar kind of fanged appearance, so possibly sort of do something similar. Be gentle with that, Mr. Chesterton. Careful you do not scratch yourself. I'll be careful. Boy, this is a beauty. Do you think we should give this to Caduceus? Uh, Certainly the museum uh, would want any artifacts we find from here. Oh, yeah. And the scepter is ornate. It's about three feet long, crafted from gold, with a pearl the size of a fist held in place by the spiralling form of a golden snake. It is extraordinary looking and it's, uh, yeah, it's just sitting there on the, on the robes. As much as I would admire a new walking cane, uh, this must go to the museum. Can we assume Logan's ten rounds are over now, or...? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Let's assume you've done your gloating, Logan. Mr. Selby, will you please stop teabagging the dead body over there? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. Don't know what came over me. And actually, what you notice is from the hole above, snakes have started to kind of slide down it. And they're kind of crawling down and then kind of clinging to the roof and slithering round and down until just a few at first. And they seem to be kind of just making a circle around where... Uh, at the edges around where uh, at the edges of the chamber almost as if they'd come to pay homage to Tyranish assuming Logan might have some dried meat or something in his in his pack or something he's, he's going to take a piece of that and he's going to go over to the dog and just kind of try and give it to the dog I'll, I'll toss it to the dog because I don't want it to bite me but I'll toss it to the dog okay sure uh, now do you have now what kind of skills would that no animal handling. No, there is no animal handling. I mean, it is an actual skill. I mean, you do get 5% in it as a base. So you can make an animal handling roll. I'll give you a bonus dice because this thing is obviously has, has kind of somehow it seems quiet and down. Maybe it's the presence of Tyranish or something. 90 or 50. No, the, the animal, as you get close, it, it hisses and its tongue flicks out at you and its eyes flash danger. I mean, it's, it's not attacking, but it, it certainly does want to make friends with you. Ah, well, I had to try. Hmm. I mean, that would be something to take back, wouldn't it? (laughs) I don't think you want to kiss that one, Mr. Selby. Hey, I'm not the one kissing snakes here. Yeah. You can now, as you get close, you can smell that awful breath, the the rotten meat smell coming off it uh, from its last last meal. Probably scavengers as much as hunts living animals. Uh, Taking note of the the robes that are in there, uh, Logan's going to suggest to the party... Yeah, maybe we should uh, put these on her. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I'll—I uh, already have the whip. I might as well take the scepter out of there so that he can get the robe. Give the lady some modesty, at least. Yeah. Okay, so Richard, 
you pick up the scepter and you feel something very very strange as you pick it up you feel a kind of tingle almost like an electric shock passing through your hand and you do need to make either a Cthulhu Mythos roll or an extreme power roll. I guess extreme power roll is slightly more likely to succeed. Yeah, because my Cthulhu Mythos is only 10. Yeah. I will try. Uh, I'll just roll it. It's going to be tough. Oof, no. No, not enough. Not enough. You've immediately developed aphidiophobia, a fear of snakes. And you immediately are compelled to drop this thing. You realize that this thing is is intimately connected to the snake world. And you suddenly become absolutely terrified of snakes. Logan, seeing seeing Mr. Chesterton drop that to the ground, he'll say, what are you doing here? He'll reach, he'll reach out and pick it up off the ground. I see the snakes that are like along the walls yeah, in the corner. Yeah, and you and I are see freaking the... out at this Yeah, point. I could say, uh, oh, snakes, snakes, I, I, can't, I can't handle the snakes. I, I can't handle the snakes. And I'm going to pull the flamethrower. Oh my god. I mean, I'm not going to use it, but he's going to pull it. He's going to start aiming. First you want to kiss them. Now you want to kill them. I will snatch the scepter from his hand. First of all, Logan picked it up. You need to also make an extreme power roll. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh boy. I don't know what you want to do, but you, you can feel this thing starting to, starting to really mess with your head. You can either push the roll or just accept it. Oh, pushing it sounds dangerously fun. Wow. Almost. 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 Well, not quite. Okay, again, you immediately drop the thing, and you, you're you huddling now with, with with Richard, terrified by all these snake-like creatures around you. I'm going to burn them all. I'm going to burn them all. Do it. Do it. Burn them. Do it. Now, AP, AP do you want to make the hat trick? Do you want to make the, the set of three? Oh, a power roll? Okay, you also fail. Oh my goodness. All right, well, you need to step away. So at this point, you've all touched this thing and been unable to master it in any way. Snakes? Snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? And I think what you do is you start pumping away with your guns, your swords, your flamethrowers, everything. All-out carnage. That is the the last scene in the Temple of of Tyranish because when we next see you sitting in a small aeroplane, having been airlifted out with the still warm, still breathing body of Tyranish, neatly wrapped up in robes, and Quentin Shapiro, your Caduceus contact, is sitting there. Our friend. Your friend Quentin Shapiro. Let's never talk about what happened back there. (laughs) He's sitting there saying, now, could you just go through that one more time? Uh, which part? The bit where you started trying to burn the temple down and all with all the snakes in it. Oh, that wasn't us. That was uh, La Fuente. La Fuente started the fire. Right. So La Fuente started the fire. Why are your clothes and eyebrows and hair singed, Mr. Logan? Well, I don't know. Uh, Professor Thackeray kept trying to burn me, I think. Right, right. It was mind control or something. I don't know. I suppose in the end, you, your methods may be unconventional, but you, you seem to get results. I mean, um, here she is, Tyranesh herself. Never thought I'd see the day. Well, it's not like you sent us to some kind of special mummy recovery school or anything. I'm terribly sorry about the way things played out. Uh, it was never really our intention to just drop you in it like that, and I'm sure Rossini would have given you a better a better briefing if you'd have had the chance, poor bugger. Well, uh, what are you going to do with the uh, her? My gesture to Tyranish. Oh, her. Well, we have to study her, of course. We'll, we'll take her back to Caduceus headquarters in New York and, um, you know, our scientists there will, will examine her. I mean, this is an amazing find, don't you think? 
uh, humanely, I hope, right? Oh, of course, of course. Yes, we wouldn't harm a sentient creature. They're clearly intelligent, these things. Logan looks at Richard kind of knowingly. Well, we found a lot of nice uh, stuff, too. I mean, uh... Yes, you did, you did. You, you said that scepter isn't so good to touch. I'm glad you wrapped it up in that cloth there, that, that name. Yeah, it makes you go a little, uh, funky in the head. Right, well, look, you look pretty beaten up. Let me, let me see if I can, um, I think, I think one, I think the co-pilot's a trained, uh, medic. Let's get you looked at, oh, um, while we fly back. I, I think, I think this can't really wait. You look, you look in really bad shape. Yeah, no, there was a lot of, a lot of bad stuff went down in there. Yes, now, what did you say? A hundred foot long snake? Good God. Yes, knocked me right against the wall. Luckily, there was, like, a mossy vegetation right where I landed. It was amazing. I got some pictures here on my camera. Wow, my my word, this will be very useful. And you've got the rubbings from the from that strange language. Fantastic, fantastic. This will be a boon to the whole organization. Yeah, I think the doc has those. I won't make you roll. Let's just assume you start getting treated and your wounds are being bandaged up. That big new scar on your back and your teeth. He cleans out the debris from your mouth and gives you some cotton wool just to stick in the in the raw gums. Yep. Oh, any god. <laughs> Richard and AP both make a luck roll. Yeah, boy. Now, you both have this big blister on your body from where that green beam mm. struck you. As the medic is kind of examining your chest, AP, he, put, he opens up your shirt. And he says, God, that's pretty bad. I think I should drain it. It looks like its um, skin must be very tender there. And he gets out this little scalpel. He says, look, I'm just going to make a, just a tiny incision and drain it off, okay? I leave you to your work, sir. Okay. And then he just very delicately slices, and all this fluid comes running out down your chest. And the skin just kind of peels back. And you look down, and instead of pink, raw flesh underneath, you see scales. Oh, no. I've been infected. He says, my God, look at this. Some kind of disease. Yes, these are Amazonian skin conditions. I didn't realize they could be so, um, they could be passed along so easily. She'll have to have this taken care of. You will indeed. AP, you look down and you see these glistening new scales. They've got a greenish tinge to them. It must be some horrible disease. And, and Richard, upon seeing that, you can't help kind of poke your own blister and yours just deflates and you also see these fresh new green scales you better get to a skin specialist and i'm not going to be mean to you because obviously you're all terrified of snakes and it would be kind of mean to make you make a do something crazy right now as you're on an airplane so let's redline you back to new york city where you can get some rest and recovery but before you land shapiro says says to you all now listen i um I've heard about this sort of thing before, you know, from our scientists. This, um, skin condition you've got, you won't be able to get that treated at a hospital. You'll need to come, come to the Foundation. Hopefully we can do something about it there. This technology that's caused this is way beyond the knowledge of even the best doctors in the world. Where is this foundation located? Oh, we're on the Upper East Side. The Meadham Building. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's one of, the, one of the grandest buildings in New York. I think it is, it's only topped by the Empire State. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a magnificent building. Anyway, look, you, you know the address. The other thing is, there's some important information we need to give you about your next mission, he says, as you're departing. Well, I mean, my, our next mission, I mean, I need some time to write this book on the past mission and to, you know, have the lecture series and then we will need to uh, talk to the uh, resident museums and... Oh, there'll be time for that, but something's come up. It's rather urgent. If you could come to Caduceus in, in two days' time, please be aware that everything you've seen, you can't talk about this. This is dangerous knowledge you've gained. Please, it'll be for your own sake and for the sake of the rest of us that, that you, you come to our headquarters in two days time and important stuff there's there's things happening in this world that 
Well, maybe you wouldn't have believed them a week ago. Now you surely would. And uh, he bids you farewell as he leaves you standing at the taxi rank at Idlewild Airport on this lonely runway <laughs> as a taxi just kind of idles up to you and the guy rolls down the window and says, Where to, Mac? You look like you've uh, been, through, been to hell and back. For sure we, we have. Indeed, we need to get to Columbia University right away. Okay, and we have finished the Bolivia chapter. Now, the good news is you get a bunch of um, rewards for having achieved that. Obviously, you've picked up some rather unpleasant things as well. I presume you gave everything to Shapiro that you brought back. Yeah, as much as I wanted to keep the whip, I, I gave it to him. You didn't keep the whip? I should have, but I don't think he would have let me keep it. I mean, it's quite obvious. He didn't even have to know it existed. I think you were all in such a state when you came out that um, it, w- it would have been hard to be deceptive. Speaking of which, I forgot to ask, so I, I failed that roll, that power roll, when I picked up the scepter. Yes. Did, did I get any um, mania yes. or phobia? Yeah, or? you all have aphidiophobia. You, you are all scared of snakes now, which really is an unfortunate <laughs> turn of events. Yeah, especially because two of you seem to be turning into them. But um, but let's let's uh, see see how that all plays out in future chapters. Because right now you are going to get a bunch of rewards. Now here's where life starts looking up for you. So there's a few things you get some basically baked in rewards from completing the chapter. So you freed the aid camp from the tyranny of the serpent people and their enslaved soldiers. So everyone gets to roll a d10. Uh, okay, that's how many sanity points you get back for that. Which you know. We didn't. We didn't lose all that much. So. No. I can go above my maximum sanity, right? Because yeah, this will take me above oh, yeah. since you reset. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're actually going to come away with more sanity than you left with for sure. You ensure that Tyrannish did not fall into enemy hands. So, so that's another D6 you can all roll. Oh, that's a lot better. Okay, so get to add that, and your final sanity roll for defeating the giant snake and or the formless spawn. Uh, you can all roll a d10 as well. One d10. Wow. Boom. Oh, four. Very good. Figures. Nice. I'm the only one that doesn't roll a 10. But I think your sanity was was pretty good. No, I was really low. Oh, yours was really low. Okay. Well, you know, you've you've definitely gained something. Now, New York Interlude. Now, all of you have an ability to gain back more sanity. If you can tell me something you do during this sort of two days before before you head back to Caduceus that is something to do with your personal backstory. If you, Because basically, if you spend time with the backstory element during that time, you can potentially get more sanity back. It can be slightly risky because you, you have to make a roll. It's not guaranteed. So starting with AP, what, what would you do during this time to, to help you gain back more sanity? Which of your personal backstory elements would you spend time with? So the first, first thing I do is uh, visit Columbia University to uh, visit my office and take down my notes, uh, make sure I record my, the events that happened. And um, I call for my, my girlfriend, uh, who also works at Columbia, Dr. Elizabeth Sue, who's a professor of ancient history. And I uh, brief her on uh, the things I encountered in the Bolivian jungles. Perhaps she can uh, lend some credibility to the things I saw, or maybe explain the rare disease I, I have on my chest. The other, the other thing I wish to do is uh, uh, the next day is I visit my good friend, uh, Mr. Wilfred Green, who uh, he's the man who uh, he's the uh, New York City detective who gifted me that Tommy gun, which he uh, he stole from a crime scene. But uh, I told him how much I enjoyed using the weapon and how how much it came in handy, and uh, I thank him. You do all that. You you spend time with your loved one. You ask about what what could be done. And the way this works is you have to make a sanity roll. Now, I'm not going to force you to do this because it is risky. So here's, here's the upside and the downside. If you make your sanity roll, you get to add a d6. If you fail, you lose one point of sanity. And that backstory element gets corrupted in some way. So 
I can see how this one would. I think what would happen is your girlfriend would totally freak out and, and leave you. Basically. I cannot not make this roll. Okay, go for no! it. Oh no! <laughs> Amazing. Oh dear. Okay, so yeah, you lose a point of sanity and your girlfriend in horror runs screaming out of the room when you show her the scales. And uh, yeah. That prompts my visit to Detective Green because I need to drink away my sorrows. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Richard, what would you like to do as your backstory element? If you want to, of course. As I said, there's a risk. We got paid, right? They, they gave us a little money to do something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course they did, yeah. Well, I'm going to go to the museum, you know? That's where I go when I have a little money. At this time, I think I'm actually going to ask Molly out for coffee. But I'm not going to show her my scales. <laughs> I'll just ask her out, you know, and I'll uh, talk to her about the jungle, but I won't tell her everything that happened because she might think I'm crazy. I don't know her that well, so. Okay. All right. So you can make a sanity roll. Okay. Oh, yeah. Very good. All right. So you can roll a d6. Wow. You are you are becoming rock solid. I don't know how, after going to the jungle of Bolivia and seeing the most terrifying and freaky things, you you come back even more sane than you left. Maybe this is, this is kind of verifying some beliefs or thoughts you had about the world it's all it's all true all those crazy thoughts you had absolutely because uh you know i started the game with a little bit of mythos so you know i saw some weird things in the my ranging and now i just everything has been kind of confirmed for me so yep now logan yours is a much bigger risk if you do this of course but um, you know you only lose one sanity I, I guess it's always worth doing but but the danger of course is that backstory element gets corrupted so well, what would it be if you do wish to do this so there's three things he he will do. Uh, Logan actually lives on an old abandoned air, airfield. He he lives in a you know an old uh, air hangar. He has an old plane in there that he kind of works on. He putzes around with. You know he found the body and everything kind of broken down on the ground somewhere. You know and he brought that home. So he's been slowly building this airplane. He's also going to uh, develop that fil the, the film from the, the pictures that he took on this uh, last trip and. Uh, take a look at those pictures but the one thing he's really gonna do is he's, he's got this comic book collection that he just loves so much you know he's, he started collecting this comic book series called to Carcosa and beyond on his 12th birthday so he's just gonna rummage through his comic books and just kind of relax a bit doing that okay okay so uh make that sanity roll all right sanity roll oh no so you lose a point but more more importantly the king in yellow what the hell is that Upon seeing them again and, and realizing that maybe there's some aspects of it that just seem too real and too horrifying, and you just gotta you gotta get rid of them. You can't live with these anymore. With my past experience, recent experience in the jungle, maybe these things are all too real. And that is it, guys. That's the end of chapter one. You've you've successfully got through. You've you've somehow through the skin of your teeth. Through the snake skin of our team. We'll get hit points back before the next session. Now uh, we'll work it out. You'll also get a luck roll. Um, you can make the luck roll now if you want and get those luck points back. Everyone can do that. Jesus. Oh my god! How did you do that? <laughs> oh my gosh! That's so unfortunate. Okay, Richard, well, you only get a D10 plus 5. You're still going to be. Yep. There's no. You, you're going to be below 30. Shit. You, you, you're going to have to look after yourself. Wow. Okay, everyone gets a D10 plus 5. Whereas Logan is like, what the hell? You go up to 97? Richard has no luck, man. No luck at all. No, you are just unlucky. Mr. Chesterton, if it wasn't for bad luck, you'd have no luck. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Perfect. Doc. Is it worth doing the ability score uh, rolls now? Oh, yes, yes. That? Now you can do that. Yeah, let's do that now. So we get that out of the way. Okay, this is great. Yes. So everyone, let's start with, with Logan. So all the skills that you ticked, you need to make a skill roll for each one. Just hit the green button next to all, all your ticks. And if you fail, that's when you get uh, yes. you get to tick it up? Yeah. Is it just by one? No. Oh, no. It's more, way more than that. Okay, that's good. You've got... Oh, that's a shame. So three... That's it. Okay, is that it? Okay, so roll a d10 for, for climb, for intimidate, and for listen. So you increase climb by nine. Intimidate by seven, and listen by six. That's cool. Richard, again. All right. You roll the green for each of the ones you have a tip from. Oh, your climb's going up. Oh, look at that. Oh, can I, do I do dodge? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Any any you've got a tip by. I mean, it's a clever system because obviously the better you get at something, the harder it is to improve, which totally makes sense. 
you're getting some good stuff there. And your flamethrower, most importantly. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should do that one or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So roll a d10 for all of those ones. So climb first, then dodge. Climb. Wow. Dodge. Climb's gone up. Dodge has gone up. Dodge. Three. Oh, what was that one? Listen? Listen goes yeah. up by one. Natural world goes up by six. Stealth goes up by three. Here we go, flamethrower. Oh. oh, only one. <laughs> only one on flamethrower. Well, you'll get there one day. And likewise, uh, I will do that right AP, now. make your... Okay, yes. Wow, your dodge is... Oh, that's a shame. Wow. Oh my god, your SMG goes up. <laughs> oh, wow, I rolled a 97 on submachine gun. Oh my lord. It's already a 97. As if you're not already completely lethal with it you're about to become infallible so uh, ap as a roller so d10 for dodge it's three d10 for first aid that's good i got first aid at least eight that's good, that's good. Yeah. that persuade six that's not bad smg no way <laughs> 97 97 and the language oh 10 oh language. my god good Macal, you've got up to you've got up to fourteen. Well, that time I spent at Columbia uh, dissecting. Yeah, no, definitely because you took all the rubbings and everything. None of you increased the skill to ninety during that, did you? No. So there's a couple of interesting things that happen when you get skill to ninety, depending on what it is. So whenever you get any skill to ninety, increase to ninety, you get sanity back just because you've kind of become this super competent hero. So, uh, obviously, you were already at 90 for SMG. <laughs> so, you, you, let's say that was already baked in. But the other thing is, if you get, as, as, as I think we explained, if you get a fighting skill to 90, then it increases all your other fighting skills, if it's the, the first of its kind. So, so, let's say, Richard, if you ever get that firearm skill up to 90, Logan, if you get your firearm skill up to 90, I think the Professor, so AP, yeah, your SMG is already 97, you're fighting yeah, no, you've already gained all of the bonuses you can get for fighting because both your rifle, I, I guess your, yeah, your rifle, your SMG was 97, so that increased your others, and your fighting brawl was at 90 already. Okay, cool. Well, there we go. How is Bolivia? Very nice. Well, we really hope you enjoyed listening to the first chapter of Two-Headed Serpent as much as we enjoyed playing it. Again, we think it's an amazing campaign book. Kudos to Scott, Paul and Matthew for writing such a brilliant piece of story and game and action. The plan going forwards is to release each chapter in a discrete chunk with a little bit of a gap in between to give you time to catch your breath, but also because we actually have quite a lot of campaigns going simultaneously and if we release each of them in sequence one by one it'll be a long way between between episodes for a particular campaign so what we'll probably do maybe we'll have to see is alternate this with chapters from Master of Nihilatotep from now on so there'll be a little pause now a few weeks and we will return next week to Master of Nihilatotep but you won't have too long to wait for chapter two of this superb adventure I've got you under my skin I've got you deep in the heart of me, so deep in my heart, you're really a part of me. I've got you under my skin. I try so not to give in. I say to myself this affair never will go so well. But why should I try to resist? Darling, I know so well I've got you under my skin I'd sacrifice anything, come what might For the sake of having you near In spite of a warning voice That comes in the night and repeats in my ear Don't you know, little fool, you never can win Use your mentality Wake up to reality But each time I do Just a thought of you Makes me stop Before I begin Cause I've got you 
under my skin.